I'm Jimmy James. I'm Carl Knapp. Carl is a practicing attorney in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. We're longtime friends, and once a week we get together to talk about divorce, child support, custody, criminal law, and much more. So come hang out, because this is Just Lawing Around. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Just Lawing Around Podcast. Today, we have two very interesting stories, and both of them are involving attorneys and these attorneys breaking the law, which I thought was great to talk about with Carl with an attorney who doesn't break the law and kind of break open these stories. The very first one, the headline is Marsville man charged with impersonating attorney, taking thousands from clients. Now, Carl, I know that you're excited to talk about this and I, and I want to talk about it, but I want to give a quick backstory on it. And I'm just going to read these first two little segments here in the story just so that they, you know, have context to it. Um, a 57 year old man is being charged with practicing law without a law license out of Middletown Township Attorney's Office out of a Middletown Township Attorney's Office. He operated for more than seven years and taking thousands of dollars in legal fees from unsuspecting clients. Michael Jerome McAndrew of Morrisville was charged on November 23rd with two counts each of two counts each of theft by deception and deceptive business practices and one count each of theft by unlawful taking receiving stolen property theft by failure to make required disposition of funds received, identity theft, insurance fraud, and unauthorized practice of law. Carl, the second I showed you this story, you were intrigued by it. What are your thoughts on this? I, I love this story, and it's, it's very topical. It looks like that the press release is December 22nd, right? So this is just as fresh off the press as Yeah, you. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the funny thing is you said this guy was practicing as an attorney for seven years and he had he had a legal it was called superior legal services and it was located in levertown middletown township which is in bucks county and i the story's a little vague but clearly he was he's not a licensed attorney by any stretch but we we even took took the liberty to google the guy which was kind of interesting because i'm like does he have a website or what what is he doing and what what happens when we google him james well (laughs) he came up uh superior legal services and he actually has 13 five-star reviews and i find it absolutely hilarious because in the first review I'm not, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the lawyer says if you or the, the person who left the review said, if you need legal help and want a great, honest person defending or helping you out, call this office. <laughs> and I'm looking at it. one. It's a five star review. Spoke with Mike, who is the guy that's charged. <laughs> right, <laughs> Answered all right. my questions and concerns. He provided excellent advice and guidance. <laughs> could these reviews be be statements like could they become criminal like police statements, essentially? I mean, spoke with Mike. That's that's incriminating him, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And he in in this, you know, this press release that we're going through, it looks like he operated like like a legitimate lawyer because people were paying him retainers to right. represent them. So I, I, I'm guessing maybe he had some sort of retainer agreement that said, hey, I need a retainer to represent you and I'm going to represent you you know, on this matter. And I don't think anybody ever questioned whether he was legit or not. Let's talk about those retainers because it says the detectives identified the parties in two of the civil suits and spoke to them. So I guess there's two civil lawsuits going on against him. And one of them said, 
uh, one of the people, I, what would he, what would they be called? The plaintiff? One of the plaintiffs? Uh, said yeah. They signed, guess, what'd you say? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm, I'm the client's in the second civil suit. And I'm not sure, are the civil suits, was not, during the time he said he co, he co-counseled three civil cases and was referred to 12 criminal cases that he, on his own. Um, there was apparently another lo- a, attorney who worked with him. Oh yeah, I totally skipped that. That's part yeah. of it. <laughs> so I, I'm thinking the civil suits where somebody came in and hired him to represent them in a civil matter and they paid him a retainer. To represent them. the same way as if you came to me, James, and said, "Hey, I, I want to sue, uh, you know, the the roofer who put my roof on because he screwed it up." Right. right. I'd say, "Okay, okay, James, I'll, you know, it's a it's a three thousand dollar retainer, and I bill it so much per hour, or whatever." That's what it sounds like. These people came in, they hired the guy, um, gave him a retainer. Uh, the one retainer was. <laughs> Thirty thousand dollars. That's I mean, yeah. We're not talking small money here. Thirty grand. I was gonna say I don't know if I ever got a thirty grand retainer. I, that's a <laughs> that's big a retainer, lot. man. That's that's a big retainer. Um, My question was would be was he working alone or was he working under somebody? And if he was working under somebody, that person's got to be liable too, right? Yeah, I I I get the feeling he was kind of maybe running the show and maybe he hired somebody to work for him because if if we go the the website we try to click on through google and i think that was taken down but when when we were reading the reviews didn't they mention some of the reviews mentioned another guy yeah so one of the reviews is mike and george are tremendous is what they do right correct we don't know who we don't know who george is whether george is another attorney or not but um <laughs> look at the, the one of the reviews this this firm is the real deal <laughs> <laughs> isn't that i mean it's it's amazing that he got away with it for seven years but as i was ta- you know as we were kind of reviewing this story i said to you you know when when i go into court and uh, you know and i stand up and they go okay counsel identify yourself for the record you know i say okay carl knapp and i'm here representing plaintiff J- you know james whatever right but, but the judges generally you know sometimes i put my attorney id because when you, when you become an attorney you get an id number um so i i sometimes put my attorney id number on the record but the judge doesn't look it up i i, I had i had one case once where a judge in a, I was, I was representing some clients. It was a civil matter. And there was a guy on the other side and he was a little, uh, I don't, I don't say shady, but he, he, he didn't really seem to know <laughs> the law that well. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. And, and the judge said to him, it was interesting. Cause he was like, sir, I've never seen you in my court before. You know, are, are you licensed to practice in Pennsylvania? The judge asked him that? The, yeah, he actually said that because the guy, the guy's office was like in New Jersey. Oh my gosh! And the guy said, "Yes, I am." And he goes, "Okay, you know." And he looked him up because in Pennsylvania, people and may or may not know there's a it's the disciplinary website. If you want to know if somebody's a lawyer, you can go right there, and and everybody in Pennsylvania who's a lawyer, you type in their name, it'll pop up. What's that website? It's you know, uh, fan. 
I do. It's the PA Disciplinary Board.org. Okay. So that's a good PA, website to know. It's a good, it's a good one to know. Uh, cause I think we're going to, if we have time, we're going to get into our second story. Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll bring <laughs> that up we'll, soon. We'll, yeah. we'll, loop, we'll loop back to the PA Disciplinary Board website, but you can type somebody's name in there. It will tell you um, if they were if they were licensed, when they got their license. It tells you if they've had any disciplinary actions against them. It tells you, uh, you know, what their ID is. So you can you can search on your own and 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 look, but nobody does that. Um, you know, judges generally. Well, I, don't, I I didn't even know that existed until you just said that. I know it. Yeah. Exa- I know it existed for real estate, but I didn't know you know in other fields of business that that you could just publicly look that up. Yeah, because I just uh, I've got it on my screen here. I type I type in you know I just typed in NAP right. There's a whole there's a whole bunch of NAPs that are lawyers. <laughs> but if you go to my name, it it says you know City Ambler County Montgomery. Uh, it says status active <laughs> date of admission, you no, know, say, has, you better hope it is. Cause people yeah, might be looking you up right now. <laughs> I was going to say it better be, <laughs> I, I do look it up every once in a while just to make sure everything's right on there. Um, but you know, it gives you my office. It gives so you when, when what happened admitted. with that guy in the courtroom. Uh, the judge actually looked him up during, during the break. Cause, um, you know, the judge kind of said to me off the cuff, he's like, I had my law clerk look him up and he was legit. So, but that is, that's the only time I've ever kind of seen a judge even question somebody. So um, could they go back to every case that he potentially represented in a court and, and basically rack up his counts on these charges? Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, if... If he, I think every time he appeared in court at a minimum, I think that's unauthorized practice of law because you can't go into a courtroom and, and pretend to be an attorney. Now you can represent yourself in a courtroom. I can't really go in and represent you though in a courtroom because, you know, unless I'm an attorney. Right, right. So, you know, you can't go in there. You couldn't say to your your sister, hey, I'm going to represent you. Right. Because you're not a lawyer. Um, But if he goes in and stands up and he's wearing a suit and says, hey, judge, I'm uh, so-and-so and and I'm here representing, you know, John Jones, the judge is probably going to say, okay, you know, he's dressed like a lawyer. He looks like a lawyer. He talks like a lawyer. I mean, look, he seemed to have played the part really well because he has 13 five-star reviews. He doesn't have a 4.5, a 3.0. So he was playing his role well and definitely cover, com, com, uh, comforting yikes, people yeah. and, and answering the questions and apparently getting stuff done. Maybe he <laughs> might have missed his calling in life. Maybe he should have been a lawyer. Well... Yeah, look, and look, a lot of practicing law, I have clients that have, you know, I, I had criminal clients, right? And they, once they've been through the system a couple times, they kind of understand the system, right? So right. They, they actually know, okay, you got to file this, you got to file that. Or if somebody's been divorced a couple times, right? They might say, well, I, you know, my first divorce, I remember... I file this, I file that. So he could have, like, in his personal life, maybe, 
you know, worked for a company or, or been sued or something and, and just kind of got a feel for the court. Right. And, and, you know, so he may have kind of been believable. I'm sure he was. You got to have balls to do this, man. I could never stand in front of a judge and act like a lawyer. If I was, I'd be sweating bullets. Uh, You know, I sometimes go, look, in in Montgomery County, I I would like to think that most of the judges know who I am because, you know, I've been around for 30 years. Right. But sometimes I'll go to other counties where, you know, the judges, you know, judges never seen me before. I've never seen them. You know, I stand up and say, you know, I'm Carl Knapp and I represent so-and-so, attorney ID, blah, 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 blah. The judges, I don't think, go and look me up. Yeah, I mean, I I doubt that. They probably don't (laughs) look unless they feel there's reason to look, you know? Yeah, it's the same way. Like, I I know every once in a while you see somebody, like, impersonating a doctor. (laughs) People are crazy. People are nuts. They they pretend to be a doctor, so you pretend to be a lawyer. I'm shocked that this guy had, like, an office... I would have loved to have seen his website. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen it. And when and when you told me his name, I was like, oh, man, did I ever have a case with this guy? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. How crazy would that be? Wouldn't that be nuts if I was like, oh, yeah, I had a case. Especially if I lost to him, then I'd really be. How would that affect a case? <laughs> like, could you say you were in a criminal matter and and he was one of the attorneys either defending or, or whatever? Could that change? Like, could somebody have a really good basis for an appeal on, on a case? Uh, I think so. I, I think, especially in a criminal case. Now, in a civil case, I don't know. Be, but you have a, you know, you have a right to counsel in a in a criminal case, and you have a, you have a right to competent counsel. So, if, if look anybody that was convicted that was represented by this guy is going to come forward and say, hey, you know, I, the only reason I was convicted is because this guy was representing me and he wasn't a lawyer. Now, whether that's true or not. Um, we don't know, but they're all gonna they're all gonna claim it, right? Because they're sitting in well, jail. So would that reverse their their charges, or would that just give them an opportunity for a new trial? I think it would give it would give them the opportunity for a new trial. Now, what in about this words, guy yeah. who who signed a retainer for thirty thousand dollars, paid off between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars? What can this guy do? Yeah, they we you know when I when I read this story, there is first of all, it's a crime. Right. And we, we looked up the the crime unauthorized practice of law is is a crime. And we I think it's a misdemeanor of the second degree, I believe, which which, you know, they call it M2. No, it's not because it only carries uh, up to two years in prison. And so, he got two counts of that. So, up to four yeah, years. so it's not. So the max on that, it would be a one to two. Um, so it's, yeah, it's not like a felony. It's not a real, how is that not a felony? <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. You're deceiving how the it, public. You're legally representing them. You're affecting their lives. And you're lying to the court too. I mean, if you're going to court, uh, I mean, you're basically lying to, you know, a judge who's a public servant. I hate to say uh, it, but it sounds like fraud in this County is very easy. <laughs> Yeah, it just seems it's very strange uh, that, that, you know, he got away with it. And he seemed to do pretty well, as we said, he got, you know, he did it for seven years and he got uh, quite a few five star reviews. Seven years. And he had his own building, he had his own website. He just yeah. ran his own firm. I, I see, like, 
I'd like to know, was he ever an attorney? Was he a disbarred attorney? Did he go partially to school for it and then maybe drop out? Like, I'd like to know more about his backstory. I, I would, too. I mean, I, w- I would like to know. It, it tells, you know, it, it says something that he worked. Um, I thought it said he worked for, like, Comcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it said uh, the, the investigation also revealed that McAndrew often identified himself as a licensed attorney with the same name who works for Comcast Cable and held professional liability insurance under his frequently used alias of Michael McAndrews. Or Mac Andrews. Mac Andrews. So, okay. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's, he must, you know, maybe in his job that he has said he was ex- exposed to some type of legal stuff that maybe he kind of picked up the lingo. And now, now a lot of these things, you know, not every, not every lawyer is in court every day either. So a lot of these, you know, the unauthorized practice of law could could be it's one thing, you know, everybody thinks, oh, you go into court and you stand up and you say, hey, judge, I'm I'm att- attorney uh, McAndrew. But, you know, if if somebody gets sued or one of his si- his clients gets sued and, and he, you know, prepares an answer for them and files it. OK, you're not in the courtroom, but you filed a document saying, you know, you're the lawyer and you're answering the complaint. Right. And, okay. and then he might send a letter to the other side and go, OK, we want to settle the case for ten thousand dollars. And then the other lawyer writes back, no, we're not going to pay that. And then, you know, you can engage in discovery and stuff like that. So a lot of this stuff could be lawyer to lawyer, not so much in a courtroom. It's still he almost sounds like a paralegal that like overstepped his authority. Right. Because, because you, you get that too. And, and, and that's kind of a gray area. You're, you know, paralegals, yes, they can do legal work, but it's supposed to be, you're supposed to oversee it. The attorney is supposed to oversee it. So if my paralegal types up a document, a complaint, that's okay. But I then, I review it and I sign off on it because ultimately I'm responsible for it. Right. So, yeah, a good legal secretary, I could say, hey, can you draft a complaint or can you draft a will for this client? You know, if they're a legal secretary for 30 years and they've been drafting wills, they can put something together. Right. I would, you know, I as an attorney, obviously review it and read through it and make sure it's right because it's got to be right and I'm on the hook for it. No, see, that makes sense to me because it's like they write it up. Oops, sorry, uh, they write it up, but you sign off on it. Right. So it's not like they just write it up and do everything independently and on their own. It's like it's under your authority. Sure. Right. Yeah. And, and that's legit. You're allowed. You're allowed to do that. I mean, that's not unauthorized practice of law, but you can't hold yourself. My my paralegal can't sign a, a a legal document saying you know put Esquire after her name right? right right if she's not a lawyer that's a that's a problem um, I just think you have to have a lot of balls to go out there and and make people think you're a lawyer I mean he's he's not talking about like petty thefts he's talking about thirty thousand dollar retainers like that's a lot of money yeah and he's going you know he's he's going to end up getting sued um there is there is a a a person who's harmed has a civil action against him right and and so they may you know i'm sure these clients are going to sue him and say look 
I want my money back and I want, you know, it looks like I'm reading the statute here. You can get attorney's fees. So if you hire a new attorney to sue him, you can you can get attorney's fees. Oh, so you can get you can get all your money back and charge him for your attorney yeah. fees. And it looks like um, it's a violation of what's called the Unfair Trade Practices Act, which is an act in Pennsylvania. And it it has usually I think it has triple damages, which means if I gave you six thousand, if I if a client gave him six thousand dollars. I can sue him for triple damages, which is three times that. Oh my gosh! So, so I can sue him for eighteen thousand dollars and and my attorney's fees. So oh my gosh! That that you know that's a pretty that's pretty big, serious. Yeah, that's a yeah, big that, number. That, that's a big number. Now the guy, I don't know if the guy has anything. You know, we may have talked before, but you know you can you can sue somebody and get a million dollar judgment, but I have no money. Right, like, you're not in anything. Right. So this guy, I don't Money know what he's right. <laughs> And if he ends up in jail, I don't know what he's going to do. I wouldn't be That's surprised. A lot of license see, plates. <laughs> yeah, if, if they added a lot of uh, charges to this, like you said, I think, I think every time he goes into court or every time he files something, that's a new violation. Yeah, and so as I, so as they come to light, can they yeah. can they go back and and because uh, there's a whole thing with the double jeopardy, so. You know, if new ones come to light after he's charged, can that also get tacked on later and be recharged, or, or is that a double jeopardy thing? As long as it's as long as it's a separate incident, they can charge. Usually, they lump everything together because right. they don't want to. But yes, they can. It's not double jeopardy because it's a different set of facts for each case. Right. So it's a different victim, different person. It's a different right. victim. It's a different act. You know, on this one, I, I, you know, I went to court and I tried a case. In this one, I went to a deposition and I put on the record I was an attorney. In this one, I filed a complaint. And I signed it as attorney at law. So, yeah, it's not really double jeopardy because every single it, it's different crimes. Right. Okay. Every time, you know, it's not one. I mean, you could kind of argue it's one continuing course of conduct, but it's it's every time he, you know, does something as a quote unquote lawyer, I think it's a separate charge. Now, that's what how, I was thinking. Yeah, uh, how much, you know, are they going to charge him a, over seven years? It could be thousands of things. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but I think they probably, I don't. They're going to cap it out at some point. Yeah, they're going to cap it out. And we'll have to see if we can get that criminal complaint on this guy. I don't think it's been filed yet. Yeah, it wasn't anywhere on the website, so yeah, I didn't see I didn't it. See it, but we can get a get a feel for what what happens with this guy. But it was it's kind of a, it's an interesting story, and you, you know, we're, Bucks County's right around the corner from where we are, right? Um, yeah, which is why I found it so interesting. It was so close. Yeah, but yeah. in the interest of crooked lawyers, we do have that second story. Uh, which is now another... this one's a real a real lawyer. This one, <laughs> right? So okay, so that's a good point. So the first one was somebody pretending to be a lawyer, and the second one is an actual lawyer. And the headline reads: "Woman convicted of stealing more than one hundred and sixty nine thousand dollars from elderly father." Now, my understanding is, at some point, she was uh, assigned the power of attorney over her father, and we'll kind of go through the story a little bit, but. I sent you both of these stories and, and you seem to have jumped on them pretty quick with, with interest. And I, I think they're good stories. Yeah. And you can, you can give the backstory, but the, this one, yes, it's a, it's a power of attorney. And we did the whole, 
episode on what you you can and can't do with the power of attorney, this is the perfect story about how people get in trouble abusing powers of attorney. She's she's the agent under the power of attorney for her father. And at the time, an active lawyer. She's an active lawyer and her dad gives her the power of attorney. In to, 2016, yep. Right. And so it sounds he, like the father, I'm sorry, the, the victim told police that after his wife passed away, he designated his daughter, so that, so the Diane R- uh, Rarman, uh, to become his power of attorney in August of 2016, where she would act, in, and this is important right here, where she would act in his best interest, and that all exp- uh, expenditures she was authorized to make would be for his care and benefit. Which is what we we said on the power of attorney episode is people get these things and they think they can do whatever the heck they want with them. Mm-hmm. And right. this woman, she's an attorney. Look, she should know better. I was going to say she probably knows better, but thought she knew she knew well over yeah. what other people knew so that she would be able to hide it. Yeah, maybe maybe she, you know, people trusted her because she was an attorney she, but, but this, uh, from what we're looking at here, and you can give some of the details, I mean, she just went crazy with his money. She didn't yeah. even try to hide it, right? <laughs> so during the course of the investigation, uh, detectives obtained 11 search warrants for financial account records and determined that Diane wrote 134 checks to herself from her father's account, totaling more than $92,000. He also found that she wrote checks for thousands more that had nothing to do with her father or his care. Yeah, she withdrew 35000 in cash from two accounts belonging to her father. She made $17,000 in payments to her father's credit cards, but the credit cards show that she was using the credit cards for her so, own right. so she was using his credit cards and then his money to pay it off, but for herself. Right. And she took cash out, $35,000, uh, paid her Verizon wireless bill, $7,400 for all this. <laughs> this is insane. And $12,000 to her own credit card account. So I think they said the total, more than $169,000 over three years. She, I mean, it's theft, plain and simple. I, I like the next, uh, the statement yeah. a pa- in quotes, a power of attorney is not a license to steal, <laughs> which I think is what the judge said to her, right? Deputy uh, District Attorney Mark J. Ferber, I guess that's yeah. District Attorney. That's but stealing true. exactly what the defendant did when her father trusted her to take it. Uh, and he was, he must have been the father I'm looking, this went to trial, and it was a three-day jury trial, I think. Um, uh, testimony from her 83-year-old father. So the father testified at trial against her. Not to mention her father is the one who walked into the police department in August of 2019 <laughs> to report that his daughter nearly wiped out his life savings. Yeah, and, and you know, this, we're kind of making light of it, but this is, this is what happens. This is very... Tragic. This guy's not going to get this money back. I don't think. I mean, not, I think not this unless money, she has it. <laughs> yeah, it looks like she just spent it all. So I don't think she has it sitting in a bank account somewhere 
where, you know, the judge is going to say, pay it back. Look, part of the sentence will be restitution. Whenever you have a theft case, you know, part of the sentence is always you got to pay back the victim. Right. But again, she she might end up in jail. She's going to lose her law license, clearly. Well, talking about that, we said we're going to circle back to the website. You said yeah. you looked her up on that website. Yes, we, we what we you know because I wanted to see what the status was, so we went back. You know, we went to the website and and we looked her up, and she is a licensed attorney, but she um, she was suspended. There's a there was a suspension order issued in May of 2021, and again, this is all on that. PA disciplinary board.org website. Right. So it, it, it shows you, and if I go back, I, I, I was busy looking myself up. So <laughs> I wanted to make sure I was still in good standing. <laughs> oh, so you're not on the screen with her anymore. <laughs> I have her suspension on the screen. <laughs> well, while you're pulling that up, I think it's also important to note that she was charged with theft, identity theft access device fraud, and computer trespass, which is an interesting array of charges. Uh, the theft, identity theft, and access device fraud, I, I understand, but the computer trespass, what would that be? Like accessing his probably logins use, and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, I would think probably using his computer or using his... That could be identity theft, too. People don't... Like, if you log in using other people's credentials, right? theoretically, you're... You're you know, breaching privacy. Yeah, you're pretending to be somebody you're not. That's right. What they, that's what identity theft is. Oh, that. May, oh, so, okay. So if she was logging yeah. into his bank account using his login and password. That and, and now, how could yeah. that be identity theft if she actually had a power of attorney? Though, it, does it become identity theft when she's abusing the power of attorney? Yeah, I, I think because I'm thinking the same thing. It could. It could also have to do with the credit cards. If she's using his credit card. For personal use. Uh, yeah, for personal use. She's not, under the power of attorney, she's she's really not authorized to do that. I mean, she's authorized to use a credit card, but it's, everything's on the against the backdrop that she has to be doing it for his best interest. Right. And, and for his financial so, needs. It's all about his him. Financial. Yeah, so if she's using the credit cards to buy stuff for herself. I, I think that's probably where a lot of these charges go come from and she's writing checks to herself right i mean this is not i uh, you know why this went to trial for three days i don't i don't you know you got 134 checks written to herself you see and this is interesting because i can tie this into my uh my personal close family experience i had a close family member which you already know about we've talked about on here but one of the things that happened is that person that have the power of attorney was taking the food stamps card and buying food for herself at her own residence. Which, which I think is a major problem. And we talked about that. Right. And that, that's kind of the same thing here. So it's like, if you're using money allocated for this person for yourself, that's wrong. And you can't, I don't think you could really argue, well, this is what they would want, or this is what they would say, you know, if they're not in their right mind or whatever the case is, for whatever reason you have a power of attorney, I don't think that justifies it. Yeah, a lot of people under powers, power of attorneys used to give themselves gifts. 
and that was always kind of a gray area where they would say like this woman, well, my dad, my dad wanted me to have a new car. So uh, I wrote a check to myself for $30,000 because that's what dad wanted. Would it make any difference as a power of attorney if he wrote the check? Like if, if he actually like went in and wrote the check, would that make a difference in this case? I think, yeah, I think it would make a big difference. Okay. I I thought so too. He's of sound mind, and I'm assuming he is because he testified. He testified at trial. Yeah, I guess he couldn't testify if he wasn't of sound mind. Yeah, huh? if you're not of sound of mind, you, you can't testify as a witness. Right, okay. So, no, no, if he wrote a check to her, he has the absolute right to do that. He could spend his money on anything he wants, but that's him spending his money. Right, right. Under the other scenario, it's her spending his money for her benefit. Right. Which under an authority that she's not supposed to use that way. Yeah. Yeah. If I, you know, if I give you money and say, Hey, can you go down and, you know, can you, can you take this money and go pay my landlord, right? Pay my rent. Here's a thousand dollars. Can you walk it down there? And you take it and you go buy yourself something. I mean, it's just that. You know, it's interesting that you say <laughs> yeah. that because there's a lot of like, I, I'm sure you've heard of GoFundMe. There's a lot of stories involving GoFundMe where somebody will write up a sob story, get a bunch of money donated, and then spend it on whatever they want. And the story that they wrote might not even be true. And they end up getting prosecuted for that stuff all the time. I I had a custody case. We're, we're going to do a whole episode on it. <laughs> okay. But the one party had a fraudulent GoFundMe page. Oh, my gosh. And... They were putting on there that they had cancer and they needed a specialized treatment and they had to travel to a, you know, out of state to get this specialized treatment because nothing else would work. And they were raising money under this GoFundMe, um, you know, playing on people's sympathy. And this person and, didn't have cancer? Nope. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> And eventually it was, you know, it circulated, it went to the police and they did get, they get charged. It's, it's theft by deception. Right. You're, you're, you're taking money for people from people based on basically a lie and you're not using it for the purposes that you say you're going to use it for. And I think that's a very important part right there. Yeah. Right. It is. It's it's an important part of, you know, if I, I can give you money just because I want to give you money, right? I like you here. Here's a thousand bucks. Right. Okay. You can do that but if you, you want to. Yeah, you can do that. But no, I'm just but letting you know, I, like, I'm okay if you do that. <laughs> I don't mind. You can do that if you want to. Uh, Merry Christmas. I'm gonna give <laughs> <laughs> Since it's around Christmas time when we're recording this. <laughs> there you go. That's, a, that's it, a verbal contract right there, isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's what we call a gratuitous promise because <laughs> there's no quid pro quo right <laughs> <laughs> well alright so if, the, if we stop making podcasts you guys know why now <laughs> yes if I say to you I'll give you a thousand dollars if you come you know uh, change my oil okay that's a that's a contract right right we'll, we'll get it I, I do that i use that one with my kids all the time they're like well you said you give it to me i said well yeah well that was just a gratuitous promise you know? <laughs> it's not enforceable <laughs> gotcha gotcha that's funny so <laughs> but yeah this this woman is is the poster child of what not 
to do under a POA. And when we went back to the, you know, the disciplinary, she, she now comes up as suspended, which we said, um, she has a, she's been licensed. I'm not, I'm looking because as date of admission, uh, 2001. So that was going to be one of my questions. How long has she been practicing? 21 years. Wow. It's 20, 21 years. She's been practicing. She's, it has a PO box. Um, uh, you know, current status and lists on the, on the disciplinary board website suspended. Um, but it, uh, it was suspended before she was found guilty. Now that she's found guilty, and and something like that, like theft, she's gonna she's gonna get disbarred. She's gonna lose her license for this. Do you think that's like guaranteed? Yeah, I think that's guaranteed. Sometimes what people do is they they just kind of turn in their license, you know, suspended by agreement or, or just, you know, they just kind of <laughs> surrender their license. So they're not so like they, dishonorably discharged. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like somebody, you know, gets caught stealing at work and they, they bring them in and they go, look, we're either going to fire you for theft or you can resign if you want. Right. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna resign. I'm out of here. It right, the resignation is a lot better and quieter. Right. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, she's definitely. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll check back in on this one, but I, I can't believe that she's not gonna get disbarred. I couldn't but imagine yeah. she didn't either. It says that uh, the judge deferred sentencing for sixty days and ordered a pre-sentence investigation. What is a pre-sentence investigation? Yeah, usually. Usually, what happens is if you if you go to trial or and there's a and you're found guilty, they they do a pre sentence investigation, which is done by the probation department. And what they do is they interview you. Sometimes they interview other people. To it, it's a long report that basically tells the judge everything about this person. Okay. So it'll say whether she had any kind of uh, prior criminal convictions. It'll say like her her history, you know, whether she has any history of mental illness or whether she's had other issues with the law or whether she's had drug or alcohol problems. So it gives the judge background before so like determine sentencing. Yeah, before they impose sentence, and we'll have to see what ultimately they sentence her to it was it was 60 days and it, it may go out but she's sitting in jail i think currently she's got a hundred thousand dollar bail uh 10 which means 10 percent. if you post 10 percent, which in this case would be ten thousand dollars she can get out on bail which doesn't sound like she did that yet which doesn't sound as of the writing of this it doesn't sound like she did that and usually Usually, if you're found guilty, depending on how how big a sentence you're looking at, usually they put you right in jail, right from the courtroom. Right. So, especially, look, if you're looking at, you know, years and years in prison, the judge is like, well, you might as well start your sentence now, right? <laughs> Go in and, and start serving it. They gave her bail pending sentencing, which... You know, sometimes they do that. You know, um, I, I think I found something that's going to be quite interesting to you when I read this. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
A Chester yeah. County attorney already awaiting trial on charges of giving her husband a fatal dose of heroin is being held in Bucks County prison facing new accusations that she stole tens and thousands of dollars from her father, looting his bank accounts and what? spending money for, from him through credit card fraud. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Diane the, Lynn Rarman was arrested last month and charged with multiple counts of theft by unlawful take and receiving stolen property, access device fraud, and identity theft in the case that stems from allegations by her father that she had abused the power of attorney he signed over to her in 2016. Right. That's the case we're talking about. You're saying there's another pending? Yeah. So according to an arrest affidavit filed in court by Warminster Detectives, Diane Rarman transferred $250,000 from an investment account he owns to a savings account on which she wrote multiple checks to pay his bills to get cash. It sounds like, I mean, the first sentence yeah, is what's already awaiting trial on charges of giving her husband a fatal dose of heroin. Wow. And it's clearly the same person. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's absolutely the same person. So she's she's wait, awaiting trial. Does it say Westchester what, attorney? I, I won't say his name if you don't want me to. Uh, who represents Rarman in her criminal case in Chester County, stemming okay, from so that's the, in Chester County. Okay, from the August night two thousand nineteen death of her husband, and also represented her in a civil action regarding her handling of Gerald Rarman's. I guess that's her husband accounts. Uh, declined mm. to comment on the on the on the charges. So it sounds like she wow. allegedly uh, gave a fatal dose. State police said they were called to the home around 6:45 p.m. August 17, 2019, by Rarman, who said she had found her husband dead in their living room from an apparent drug overdose. According to the arrest affidavit, Rarman's account of how her husband, who was on the house arrest who was on house arrest for a parole violation at the time of his death. Uh, what is going on in this family? Could have gotten a hold of the heroin that killed him, changed over time as she spoke with the investigating officer, state trooper. What is going on with this woman? <laughs> oh, my. So there, there's a lot more to this woman than just this POA. She allegedly may have caused a drug overdose of her husband, transferred some of his money, Wow. <laughs> this is, uh, yeah. Um, I'll go ahead and send that over to you. If you can pull that up, you'll be able to take a look at this. Well, but. I'm looking, yeah, as I said, now that I'm looking, Chester County attorney who filmed husband dying of drug overdose pleads guilty. So I don't know which, uh, she pled guilty. Um, I know I'm just kind of throwing that second story on you, yeah. but you know, I was like, Let's look up this lawyer's website. And as soon as I Googled her name, that's what came up. She, well, she's not, obviously not a, a, a good person. I don't know why she wasn't in jail. Yeah, I mean, like reading through that, there's more to it. Um, yeah. It, it's kind of it's intertwining the two stories together. I, I don't see mm -hmm. the story for the original um yeah, we'll have to look look up that one because that's, I mean, that's a more serious charge. Yeah, I mean, to, so in the throes of his overdose that she said she had recorded so she could, oh. Yeah, she was videoing. At some point, Roman right? showed Bots a video. I don't know who Bots is. I guess that was uh, 
a friend or a lawyer or something. I, I didn't read the other paragraph, but a video of Nadwaria, Nadwara. I think that's her husband. Right? Probably, yeah. In the throes of his overdose that she said she had recorded so she could show him how he, he acted towards her when he was high on heroin. In it, the trooper saw Nodoria slide off the couch and slump to the floor after telling Rorman he had used seven or eight bags of heroin. Oh my gosh. The video showed Rorman leaving the room, returning with cocaine. Where did she get the cocaine? <laughs> Which she applied to his <laughs> mouth in order to revive him. Oh my lord. How is this woman not in prison and how, how is she an attorney? And and you're you're wondering you is she using like does she have a drug problem is she using her father's money to buy drugs because it said over a three year period okay so it says but later after mother. after bots arranged for her to be interviewed in a patrol car outside her home Rorman allegedly acknowledged that she had knowingly delivered the heroin to Noir. I don't know how to say her name. Yeah. After he threatened to assault her if he if she did not, she said she drove to the shopping center in Delaware County where she purchased four hundred dollars worth of heroin and cocaine, and which she okay. then brought home. Wow. Well, she's not the uh, she's not the brightest bulb. So this goes to show you just just because you have a law license doesn't mean you're that smart. Yeah, I, we need to dig a little deeper before we do podcasts because I I didn't even consider that there could be anything else. Like how you've already done this, which is absolutely stupid, and now you're right. What? Like this is, yeah, and it's funny because she's she's the one with the law degree for twenty one years. Right, and, and she's and, breaking and the other all these guy laws. With the, the other guy without the law license <laughs> seemed, seemed to be doing, you know, he seemed to be much better. <laughs> he seemed to be a better fake attorney. <laughs> than, than the real one. I mean, than the real attorney. You know? So she's married, I guess, to a man who's on parole and house arrest with a drug addiction problem. Now, I don't shame anybody with a drug addiction problem, but you don't often see, I don't think you often see, an attorney married to somebody that is so deep in the criminal system that they're on house right. arrest and in your house. And I, I don't, I don't know. That's a crazy story. I can't well, believe I just found that. Yeah. And then look, lawyers are, there's, look, there's a lot of lawyers that have substance abuse problems like any other. Cause it's, you know, it's a stressful, you know, stressful. Right. That's a humanity problem. Yeah. That's not like necessarily yeah. a career problem. No, no. Um, but, you know, if you look up the rates of alcoholism and drug abuse, it's pretty high during the, uh, in the legal community. You know, coincidentally enough, the alcoholism is pretty high in the uh, pilot community, too. Oh, yeah. It's the yeah, least they, that you want anybody to be drunk no, in. They say that's actually, yeah, that is one of the, one of the higher. <laughs> I'd love to do an episode and look up uh, what, what, who has the worst, you know, or the highest rates of alcoholism or drug abuse. Right. But yeah, this woman obviously has a lot going on. She's going to spend probably a lot of time in in prison. I'm surprised they would give her bail with with these two sets of charges pending. Yeah, you that's know, interesting. Normally because... they won't give you bail. You know, if you're this kind of person, she's got a bunch of stuff out there. Um, I, I'm surprised they they would give her the opportunity to post bail and get out awaiting sentencing. Yeah, that's interesting because if she had anything to do with her husband's death, then I would say that that creates a, a public risk, essentially. Yeah. I mean, and if she's admitting to buying heroin, buying cocaine, and then filming her husband dying, 
which I'm sure her intention wasn't to kill him and film him dying. I don't know, but she did. And and why why isn't she she pled guilty to that? I so why isn't she serving her sentence in Chester County? It would be my question too. Like why is she out and about? She should be serving that sentence. And I get that she hasn't been sentenced yet in Bucks County, but I think she she pled, and maybe she hasn't been sentenced in Chester County either. But I, I don't know that she should be out on bail. Um, I'm amazed that the website says she's suspended and not disbarred. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think they're just waiting to see how this all shakes out. It's like out. a formality. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're they're waiting. It's a shame because I'd like to see. I don't know if she actually practiced law. I, I didn't. I, I kind of did a quick Google. I didn't see her like affiliated. I didn't see any like law office, uh, you know, of Diane Rohrman or whatever. I didn't see that, or so I don't know. You know, a lot of people have a law law degree and they don't practice law, right? You know, a lot of people don't like it or they go into other things. Or and I know a lot of people that practiced law for a couple of years and they hated it and they they quit <laughs> and did other things. You can actually see um, the in the matter of Diane L. Rarman, and now the sixth day of May twenty one, the joint petition for temporary suspension is granted. Yeah, Diane yep. L. Rarman is placed on temporary suspension. I mean, you can actually see that order on the website. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because they sometimes if you have a disciplinary proceeding against you, they write an opinion, and. You know, I think it might be interesting one day. I know a couple lawyers who have had problems with the disciplinary board. They And when you go and you read these opinions, it, it, it's shocking what some of them have done. <laughs> so I think I think what we could do and it's it's you know, it's it's for the public. It's out there. Right. Uh, but there are lawyers I know that I've had cases with or, or practice with. And, you know, you sometimes you look at their name and you're like, holy, I didn't I didn't know they had all this. You know, the the, the law community is kind of kind of tight knit. I mean, people talk. So people say, oh, did you hear what happened to, you know, Joe? He got jammed up. <laughs> and then everybody's like, OK, what did he do? Oh, he was you know, stealing money from clients. He was doing this, he was doing that. So people talk in, in, in the legal community and we'll, we'll have to look up some of the ones and, and read them. Cause that would certainly be interesting. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and doing a quick research on her, there's uh something that popped up. It says Diane L. Rarman, uh, products liability attorney. So what is, what does uh, that mean? Yeah. Pro products, Product liability is that you, that's, that's actually probably not a bad practice area, but you sue companies for making defective products. Okay. So it's that, like kids' toys that they choke on or something. Yeah, yeah, it could be, or, oh, I, uh, you know, we, we make an office chair, but, you know, it turns out it has like, uh, you know, uh, very springs sharp, or something. Yeah, very sharp metal edges on it. And, you know, people have been, you know, they they slit their arm when they sit down in the thing, or or yes, it collapses when somebody over two hundred pounds sits on it. So right. usually, what happens? You get a bunch of people that get hurt with a product, 
And then it starts to come out. Well, uh, you know, oh, this chair collapsed on you. This chair collapsed on me. This chair collapsed on me. And kind of like that other lawyer. Well, that lawyer represented me and he wasn't a lawyer. And that he represented me and it wasn't a lawyer. (laughs) So products liability could be a big, you know, a form of products liability is like, um, you know, when they make defective drugs. I mean, those things are huge. Right. They they release all these drugs into the public, and then you find out, you know, ten years later, oh, it causes cancer. Yeah, it's on a commercial between a Jerry Springer episode. (laughs) (laughs) Now those guys make a bundle, (laughs) Uh, but you can have you can have simpler products products liability cases too. But yeah, it's interesting. You found that online that that's what she did. I I found a website that listed that as one of her titles. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Yeah, because, you know, I guess you can list whatever you want. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) I mean, is that a specific niche or are you, can you as your, with your degree, can you practice that? I, 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 no, no, you can do it. Anybody can do it. Okay. Um, So, so like, yes, an attorney, an attorney degree allows you to practice in any of those fields. It's not like a specialty that you have to do extra training on or something or specific training. Gotcha. No, the other, the other, the only one. If you want to be designated as a a patent lawyer, you can't be designated as a patent lawyer unless you have an an engineering degree. Okay. So, but any other form of law, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Like I could, I could be a personal injury lawyer. I've I've done some personal injury cases over the years. Right. I can do criminal law. I could do products liability. I don't know much about it. It would. The, the problem is, you know, it takes a long time to get up to speed on it. Right. And those cases are generally expensive because you got to hire, you know, an expert, a design expert to say, yeah, this is a defective design or this is inherently dangerous. Do you remember? You're, you're probably too young. Years ago, they, I'm trying to think what I was a kid. Do you remember the Pinto, uh, the car, the Ford Pinto? I know the car. Yeah. Yeah, there, there was a huge, you know, products liability case because the way the car was designed, they had the gas tank like in the back. Right. And the gas tank was like right in front of the bumper. And I'm doing this from memory. And what, what would happen is if if the car got rear ended, the bumper would puncture the gas tank. Oh, jeez. And, and the cars would burst into flames. I mean, if you if you Google, I mean, it, it was horrible and people were basically getting burned up in these cars oh my gosh and you know people it turns out you know and i'm doing it from memory that that you know that ford knew about it ford knew that they that the design was bad and there was a huge you know there was a huge products liability case against against ford uh, and they they paid out, I don't know, millions and millions of, of dollars to some of these people that got burned. and, and That's crazy. You know, yeah, that was a very big case. I'm looking, you know, online. These cases came up like, looks like, you know, maybe in the early 80s and stuff. So... Um, so that would be like a products liability lawyer. Yeah, that's a pro- yeah. I mean, you, if you're su- suing Ford Motor Company, but you know what happens is usually you know you get discovery and there's maybe some internal documents that say, oh, um, you know, the engineer's saying you know we've always uh, the gas tank is is prone to explode because it's in the back of the car, 
And then some higher up goes, well, you know, it's going to cost too much money to redesign the car. We can't do that. Right, you know, right. Just, just put it out. <laughs> right, yeah. And, well, you know. Bad idea. So, bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that was a big one I remember living living through that uh, the, the Living through one of that, you know, that was a big products case. It's been a, I'm snoozing on them, but I've been, I know there's been other ones over the years where, you know, the Roundup they do now. You, you see their Roundup ads? When I you're see it all over the place. Yep. Yep. They had and one uh, about um, earplugs for a while, military earplugs. Yep. yep. Those are all products liability cases, right? Yeah. Military earplugs because they didn't really work as well as they should have. And they knew they didn't work and it caused ear damage. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and and Roundup is is kind of toxic to people that use it too much. Um, you know, it's a weed killer. I remember I used to spray. I was a maintenance man one year. I used to spray Roundup all over the place. Oh my go. gosh! <laughs> Goodness, I never got you know sick from it. Yeah, seriously. But yeah, that, that's a, that's a big case going on now. You know, Roundup. There's the the, the you know the the water one from Camp Lejeune, but that's kind of. A, <laughs> There's a lot of them, yeah. There's yeah, a lot. that's not, not really a product per se, but yeah, it is a. There's a lot of them. Um, but well, yeah, I don't I th- know how we get down that road, but that's what oh, yeah. she did. Well, as we end up, you know, wrap up the podcast here. I think the moral moral of the story is: if you're going to practice law, get a degree. Degree, and if you do <laughs> have a degree in practice law, just be a good lawyer. <laughs> Yeah, and if you want to check out your lawyer, you can look them up on on the website. You know, if you just want to make sure he or she is a lawyer, uh, go to the disciplinary board website, and and you can look them up. It's put out by the you know the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, so it's it's obviously a legit site. You have to register when you get your degree, so um, when you get your license, rather. Um, so yeah, you can you can always check somebody out if you go. You know what? I, I don't know if that guy's even a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, you can go right online and look. And you do the same thing with real estate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of um, there's a lot of like nurses you can look up, real estate agents you can look up. They're they're different websites, but most people with a license, I think, even like barbers, um, hair, like a barber, you have to have a license, right? Cosmetologists, um, there's a whole bunch of, and I forget what that is. It's it's through the PA. Uh, I forget, but there is a website you can look them up too. But yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, well, I'm sure you could just Google and it'll come right up. But uh, if you guys enjoyed this podcast, as usual, be sure to like it, share it, uh, send it to somebody you think uh, might be interested in it. If you want to hire Carl as an attorney or have a consult with him, all his information is at the end as soon as I finish talking here. And We will see you guys on the next podcast. The information contained in this podcast is provided for general information purposes only. It is not intended as legal advice or advice for a specific case or legal matter. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as an agreement for legal representation. This podcast and parties do not represent you in your particular matter unless there's an express written representation agreement between you and this firm. If you're interested in obtaining legal services, head over to cnaplaw.com or call 215-268-6333 and schedule an appointment today. That's cnaplaw.com. 215-268-6333. For more high quality music like this, head over to bensounds.com.